Good morning. What challenging music and thoughts we've had today as we thought about our world and Christ and how he's the answer. We're talking about our front lines, and our front lines don't seem to be getting any easier. I don't think they've ever been easy in life. Where are your front lines? They're where we live, where we work, where we play, uh, our family, uh, our neighborhoods, our cubicles, our Zoom meetings, all those things, our school hallways. How's it going where you are? Nobody's going to, no, you don't need to answer. But I do want to give you a chance to talk. So we're going to do a neighbor nudge. Now, uh, what I'd like you to do today is to say hello to somebody, and like we did last week, can turn around and wave at people. But if you're comfortable, love you to get together for, I'm giving you three to four minutes to, to get together, uh, say hello, introduce yourselves uh, to somebody maybe new. And if you're comfortable, share what's been challenging or share what's been good on your front lines. How are things going on your front lines? Let's take a few moments to not only talk about that, but then take a few 30 seconds each to pray for one another's front lines. So why don't you do that right now? You have three or four minutes, all right? If you're comfortable. going to call you back to order. Thank you for, for sharing together. It's encouraging to hear that going on. And if you didn't have time, you can always pick up after the service and share a little bit more. Take a moment to pray for one another before you leave today. Bringing truth and justice with us, walking in the Lord's ways. We're talking about uh, being a mouthpiece for God's justice. Today we are focusing on a mouthpiece of truth and justice. By the way, I want to give a little shout out to Allison uh, Brunke for uh, doing our chalkboards each week and changing those. So when you come in, you can always see what the topic. And we're at M number five. We have one more to go next week. I want to show a quick video clip as well. So, uh, Mark, when you're ready to cue that up, just to stir our thinking about bringing God's truth and justice into our front lines. Many people of all races like to think the history of race in America is something like this. There was slavery. It was bad. Lincoln freed the slaves. Then Martin Luther King Jr. brought in civil rights. Then Obama was elected. And it's all good. 
not so much. It's a pleasant summary, but it actually skips the violence and the horror and the true telling of what actually happened. And we are here to have a conversation today. And we are not going to fear the truth of our own history. Because you cannot advance good if you don't confront bad. And you cannot seek renewal if you are not willing to dig into the uncomfortable truths about how we got here today. Wow. Yeah, uncomfortable, isn't it, to think about how we have been part of bringing injustice into someone's life. It's not just racial issues. It's cultural issues. It's poor looking down on rich and rich looking down on poor. It's attitudes and how we respond to people. Um, it can be overwhelming to think about fixing it all. I want to commend you, Grace Chapel, for being willing as a congregation to begin to think about how we need to change, to follow Christ a little more closely, to, to become his ambassadors where we are, because it's a difficult time. And yet we have a Savior who's with us, and we're seeking to follow him. We know we're imperfect, and we have a long way to go, but we need to look at ourselves and what Christ would have us to do because Jesus does want us to carry his truth, his good news into the world. He wants us to carry his kindness, compassion, his justice, doing things right for everyone into the world so people get to taste just a little bit of what God's kingdom is going to be like so they can look at Christ and get hope. Today, I just want to real quickly look at three passages of Scripture. Colossians chapter 1, kind of our base uh, text, our, our letter of Colossians, where we've been looking at our fruitfulness in the front lines. I had Nancy read from Psalm 82. We're going to take a look at that psalm and just look at how... The reason I want to do Old Testament stuff is because I want us to know that, that justice and truth and, and Jesus' way isn't anything new. He's God, and God's always been the same, and he's always been concerned about truth and justice and mercy and compassion. And we're going to look at Job as well, because he's a great example of what it means to live on your front lines, bringing God's truth and justice there. So that's what we're going to do. God is pleased when we allow his truth and justice to begin to shape us and transform how we live so that we can influence others. So let's take a quick look. Uh, first of all, the worthy walk being a mouthpiece of truth and justice from Colossians chapter 1. We've been in this text many times, but look at verses 9 through 14 with, the, with me again. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, 
He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Godly character, putting on the clothes of Christ, good work that honors Christ, where whatever we do, do it all for the glory of God, carrying God's truth and justice into dark corners, serving God with grace, with his grace and his love because we possess it in Christ. Those are some of the things Paul's praying that these Colossian believers would learn and begin to do more and more. They weren't there yet, but they could always grow. So we're to be filled with knowledge. So study the word of God and understand what his will is. Living for God, walking in a worthy way, strengthening his power. Hey, we say it a million times, I think, but don't ever get tired of remembering it. We can't do this. Not from ourselves. But the power of God living in us, the power of Jesus Christ, the power that raised him from the dead and transforms people, that opened up our eyes to see and believe, he can help us live more like Christ. It's by his work, by his spirit, and yet we have a part in that by learning and growing and obeying and trusting the word of God, the spirit of God, the people of Christ help us overcome the pressures. The pressures that we feel and we fall back on all the time, our old ways, our old habits, our sinful, selfish ways, yet he can help us overcome it. Overcome Satan's temptations through prayer, the word, and relationships with others in Christ are so vital. And notice, too, the attitude, giving thanks. Followers of Jesus, we've been rescued from darkness, going nowhere to a future that's glorious. And God is asking us to bring some of that glorious future into our world as best we can now to help others see the glories, the salvation, the truth that Jesus is God and Savior. We've been rescued. And because we've been rescued from darkness to light, we need to take his truth, God's truth, and his justice, his way into our world more and more. We can't be passive. We can't be sitting here, and I would love to sit here and not have to do anything and just wait for Jesus to come back or for Jesus to take me home. But that's not my calling. It's not your calling. As a follower of Christ, we're called to go into our world and to bring his light there. You know, it's like the Exodus all over again, right? Israel was in darkness. God sent a savior, Moses, to rescue them and to lead them to the promised land. That's what he's done for us. He's rescued us from enslavement to sin and he's taken us to a glorious land. And in the meantime, there's work to do. There's nations to conquer. There's life to live for God, to worship God, to lead others in the nations to God's light. <laughs> What's dear to God's heart has to be dear to my heart. That's Colossians. Just a quick view. We need to take, because we've been moved from darkness to light, we need to take that light into our world. We need to be carry it with us, take it with us wherever we go. The way of rescue. Turn with me. We're in Colossians 1. Now we're going to go to Psalm 82. Psalm 82. Uh, 
And as you're turning to Psalm 82 in your Bible, just remember Jesus's mission and Jesus's way. That Christmas passage in Isaiah chapter 9, we read it probably every Advent season. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it. That's who Jesus is. That's what Jesus came to do. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, and he's come to bring truth and righteousness and justice into the world's experience. It's what he came to do. In Luke's gospel, Luke quotes from Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus said these words in his hometown of Nazareth in the synagogue. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He set me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To grant those who mourn in Zion. To give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. (laughs) Are you overwhelmed by that calling? I mean, this is Jesus Christ. That's what he's come to do. And then he was sent to do this, and he, he accomplished it on the cross, and now he's empowered us to be his messengers to take some of that hope into the darkness, yes, of Havertown. We're the clean suburbs, right? We're not so clean. We just avoid it. Some of us are privileged enough not to have to deal with the stuff that goes on in the dark corners in poor neighborhoods. God has sent us out to do these things. That's Jesus' mission, and that's our mission. In Luke, right after Jesus read this passage, some of the people came to him because of his teaching, and they said, won't you hang out here and just stay with us? And he said, I can't. I have to go. I have to go to other villages. I have to share the news. That's what I came to do, to release the captives. Psalm 82 is a call to God's stewards in the world, political and religious, to be stewards to lead people to God's truth and justice. Let's just read it again because it's a short psalm. God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods, and notice that's a small g, in the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. So God's holding court, and he's called all the leaders of the world, so to speak, political and religious, 
and he's holding court for them, and he's going to make a judgment. And here's his accusation in verses 2 and 3. He says, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? And then here's the call, verses 3 and 4. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. We want it to be fair. But it isn't fair. And God's call is that we are to be stewards of bringing as much fairness as we can into our world, using our influence to do that so that people can hear the gospel of God, the truth of God, the hope of Jesus Christ, and find justice, find relief. Find some shalom, that peace of life. And it's all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to describe them in verse 5. Political leaders and religious leaders who do not know Christ, they have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Sounds like the headlines in our newspaper. No one knows how to fix it. We have plans and they're not working because we're ignoring God and his truth and his justice worldwide. I don't know about you, but tears filled my eyes when we were singing the one song about singing for joy from the mountains and the whole nations just rising up and hearing praise. Can you imagine people in Ukraine right now singing praise because they're at peace? and in Afghanistan, and all those nations in, on the continent of Africa that are in civil wars and having famine and just having no security about life at all and fear because of genocide and, and the nations, and, and even here in the United States, how many people are in the dark and the politicians are fighting? They have no answers. We've turned our backs on God. We, we will not humble ourselves. We've rejected him, and yet the world's crying out for for what God has to offer. And what he's telling these people is they have no knowledge. Verse 6, I said you are gods, small g, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Be careful if you're a leader and don't get too proud that you have the answer that your grab for power, your way's the answer because you are just like everybody else. Wow, humbling. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. They're his. So our mission, according to Psalm 82, if we are stewards of God's truth and justice, is to make sure the weak the destitute, those who are underprivileged, those who have not heard the truth of God's gospel, the salvation that's available, the freedom from sin, they need to hear it, they need to see it, they need to experience. We have a stewardship. We have the authority to speak for Christ without pride, but with grace, because we're saved by grace, and we don't deserve it. When people bump into Jesus' disciples, yeah, that would be us. 
They should experience God's true message of good news that leads to eternal life and forgiveness and gives them hope and a new attitude, a transforming power to go a new way, God's way. When they cross our paths, when we're gathered together, or when we're scattered on our front lines, people should see in you and me a little bit more of God's mercy, his kindness, and his boldness to defend the weak. I was thinking about high school and junior high. And I used to just duck my head and avoid the guys that were bullies as best I could. That's a scary way to live. Some of you can probably relate. Maybe some of you were the bullies. I don't know. I was not. I was, <laughs> I was a chicken. <laughs> but boy, I loved it when someone came to my defense kind of defended me, stood in the way, was brave enough to say, just stop, leave them alone. You know, there was comfort in, in, in a community of two or three, you kind of protected yourself from the guys who might be after you. That's what we're to be in the world for people who are downhearted, depressed, feel lonely, feel left out, feel like they're losers, and they need to hear the hope of the gospel. You know, bringing God's deliverance can stir up hatred. Just ask Moses. He brought deliverance, but he also got a lot of hatred for it. Just ask uh, David, God's anointed one, doing God's work, but yet it stirred up a lot of hatred from his rival, from Saul, King Saul. Just look at Jesus' life and see how all the good things he did, the truth he spoke, the justice he was trying to teach the people and how it stirred up a lot of good and love and also hatred at the same time. Wherever we go, people should experience in some way the transforming power of Christ's salvation working in us so that they can believe and be transformed or that they will refuse, resist, and even make it hard for us, but just know that's the way it's going to be in this world. But we have a calling to take God's good news, the good news of Christ to the oppressed who are cursed by sin. But the good news is God came to deliver us, to bring not only justice, but he justified us so that he can forgive us. That's the wonderful good news. So by the power of Jesus, we can grow in the knowledge of God's will and walk in a way that's a little more worthy of his name. And it's all over scripture that we need to bring truth and justice into our world, even if it's just in the school hallway at our workplace, standing up for what's right, not being afraid to do that because we know we are God's. It's all over scripture. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ enables us to abide with him and draw close to him and to be the ones we ought to be. And that leads me to Job. So if you have your Bibles, just turn to Job 29 because I find this chapter really amazing. 
And the reason I wanted to take a look at Job's story is because Job, number one, a person of faith. He was a really good man. But he was a good man because he was living by faith. He was transformed by the grace of God that was his work in his life. The righteous people live by faith. It's not by doing good to earn God's favor, but doing good because you have received God's favor. And that's the story of Job. And we don't have time to look at all of Job. It's a long book, by the way. But in chapter 1, if you were to take a glance at that chapter, it's like the first few verses read like, I don't think anyone in this world could have lived a life closer to the paradise of the Garden of Eden than Job, if you read the first few verses of his life in in chapter 1. It was incredible. He was blessed by God. He He was wealthy. His kids were there, and he was just experiencing a good life and and all these things. And chapter 29 of Job is like his back-in-the-day chapter. I mean, read a few, let's read a few verses. He's complaining now a little bit, if I can say. He's, he's, he's kind of wavering. He never lost his faith in God, but he's questioning why these bad things have come into his life. Look at verse 2. Oh, that I were as in the months of old, as in the days when God watched over me, as if God wasn't watching over him now. When his lamp shone upon my head, and by his light I walked through darkness, I was in my prime with the, when the friendship of God was upon my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were all around me. By this time, they'd all been killed by a terrible storm. When my steps were washed with butter and the rock poured out for me streams of oil. When I went out to the gate of the city, when I prepared my seat in the square, the young men saw me and withdrew, and the aged rose and stood. The princes refrained from talking and laid their hand on their mouth. The voice of the nobles was hushed and their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard, it called me blessed, and when the eye saw it, it approved. Wow! What an impressive guy. Good life. Great influence. But look at the character of his life. Verse 13, or excuse me, verse 12. Because, why did people do this? Because, look at verse 12. Because I delivered the poor who cried for help, and the fatherless who had none to help him. The blessing of him who was about to perish came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was, uh, I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy, and I searched out the cause of him who I, whom I did not know. I broke the fangs of the unrighteous and made him drop his prey from his teeth. He goes on to talk about how he thought his life would end well, but it suddenly was a bump in the road. Why do I come to this passage? Because I want us to see a couple things. Job was a man who lived by faith in God, and his life had great impact. He carried truth and justice with him. He walked in the ways of his God. And he had great impact on those around him. People rose up and called him blessed because of what he had done. 
We also see that Job's faith in God kind of wavered here through this trial. But we see that God allowed this to happen. It's like that old serpent Satan was in the garden, was in Job's Garden of Eden. Ruined his life. The liar, the thief, the murderer. The one who goes against God was there trying to, trying to turn Job away from his God. And Job was held on by God, and Job held on to God. And his faith grew. He was awed by what God was doing by the end of the story. And by the way, he lived happily ever after. And so will you and I when we have faith in Christ. We have a happily ever after waiting for us. In the meantime, by God's strength and power, we bring his truth and justice with us wherever we go because that's what we're called to do. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking like when I read Job's story, I'm no Job. I have absolutely no influence. Nobody stands up at the city gate when I come. That's where judgments were taking place. He, he was lifted up. I don't have that kind of influence in my workplace or even my, in my neighborhood. But I ask you this question. If you're no Job, well, what standing did the 12 disciples have after Jesus ascended to heaven? Not a whole lot. They were in an upper room hiding for fear of their lives, them and the hundred and so other people that were with them. But how did they gain standing in their community? by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, by being kind and gentle, speaking the good news, by caring for one another in their, in their own house, in their own congregation, by going out into, into the streets and healing the sick and meeting the needs of the people. You can read about it. We, we studied a little while ago in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, understand this, that we are aliens. We're foreigners. We are outsiders in this world because God has called us into his kingdom and now we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. So we are now outsiders in this world. You know, it's kind of ironic, but there was a time when I was an outsider of God's kingdom and through God's grace and mercy, through faith in Christ, he adopted me into his family. So now I'm no longer an alien to God's kingdom. But as soon as I become a member of God's family, his kingdom, his household, now I'm an alien in this world. I don't fit in here anymore. But I have to live my household's way, my king's way, my leader's way. I need to live for Christ. By being in Christ by his belief, we're outsiders now. But because we're part of God's kingdom, by Christ's overcoming power, by following him, we can have influence and bring God's justice and truth into our world. Again, we can ask God for help to grow in our understanding of who Jesus is, understanding who we are in Christ and what he's called us to do. And as we do that, as we trust him, as we obey him, as we grow in faith in him, reading his word, helping one another, praying for one another, we can reveal a clearer picture to people out there what God's kingdom is like and they just might consider as God calls them believing in Christ. 
like Job did, like the disciples did in Acts, we are Christ's mouthpieces of truth and justice. Who do you know that needs God's hope? Who do you know that needs justice, that needs support because they're being bullied by their own depression or by a literal person that's after them, that's treating them unfairly because of their education or their skin color or just because of who they are and their weaknesses, who are being bullied by addictions, bad self-image, or just poverty, hunger. How can you and I go and bring relief the way Jesus came to us and brought relief? We are God's mouthpieces for truth and justice. And wherever we go, we're to bring along his truth and justice. That's what we're called to do. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask you to open up our eyes to see the needs of our world. They overwhelm us, the needs. Yet, Lord, you have us in places. This town, this neighborhood, this workplace, this family unit, we're there to bring hope. Lord, you've gifted us, you've enabled us. We have one another to help us grow and to do, do this well, to walk in a manner worthy with you. Oh, give us strength, not to be overwhelmed, but to depend on you, to believe in you and to trust you, to speak your truth, to speak your gospel, to be gentle and kind wherever we go, bold because we are Christ. Oh, help us to do this, we pray, for your honor and glory, to change our world just a little bit before you come back. We pray this all in the name of Christ. Amen.